Hey, we have a real treat this morning. Uh, it's kind of become a family tradition or a, a church family tradition over the years. My father-in-law, uh, Pastor Emmanuel Canastracy, uh, was involved in the founding of this church many, many years ago. When this church was located on Martin Luther King Boulevard many years ago under Pastor Lawrence Kennedy, uh, they needed to expand, and uh, he felt God give him a word that this was supposed to be the, the location for the church. Well, lo and behold, a bunch of hippies bought the ground, and what they didn't know is it was surrounded by a fence that had what's called a federal lock on it, which means you couldn't use the property for anything. And they thought they had just taken this bunch of hippies for, you know, as suckers, and now they got some pretty land but can't build on it. Well, lo and behold, in the economy of God, shortly after that, that lock got removed, and that's why we're on this location today, because God gave somebody a word, and here's where his people are supposed to be. But anyway, many of you know him. He, has, he was the one that gave me my start in ministry, but he travels all over the world, and God uses him in a tremendous way, and uh, we're just real honored to have him this morning. Give Pastor and Dr. Emmanuel Canastracy a big hand this morning. We're glad you're with us for our third weekend service. God bless you. I like coming here. You know, there's many reasons I like coming here. I like coming here because I uh, have my family here. bigger portion of my grandchildren are here in this city. Nine of them. Uh, there were six, and then uh, God did something wonderful. I got another son-in-law and three more grandsons. My God, we're growing. And uh, I get to spend Thanksgiving here, then go home. And uh, spend Christmas with my other daughter and my three granddaughters. And then I get to rest. This is the 11th meeting since uh, Linnell and I went to Indonesia in August. From August, we did that conference and we were about a week or eight days there. And then we came to Hawaii in Maui, did a, a prophetic conference probably three or four thousand people we prophesied we the team prophesied over 1800 people and uh, then from there we went to Kauai did a presbytery and that was a three-day conference and then from there our conference in San Jose and uh, from there I went to dedicate Church on the Rock in Oklahoma City a wonderful guy if you never met Brother Benefile, just beautiful. About a $10 million brand new church. We had our conference there. From there, I went to Portland, Oregon, <laughs> and was there a week. And from there, uh, I went to Southern California. Well, I missed a few of them, but this will be the 11th meeting back-to-back uh, -back with, with hardly a week in between. To rest, and I'm looking forward to going to the mission field uh, three days after Christmas to Hawaii, where all the savages are in Hawaii, and spend a few a few months there, two or three months. We have three churches in Hawaii, so I'll be preaching to all our churches. But we look forward to the rest. But it was just a God thing that this happens to be one of the spots on all of these places that I've been. Look forward to coming because I don't have to work too hard here. <laughs> Only have to preach three times. Sometimes we have morning services, afternoon meetings, and night services. But we thank God. What we see in the Spirit, and I prophesied a little bit, and one of your youth pastors come up to me and he said, you prophesied the Word. Let me tell you the confirmation. The Word of the Lord came to me today that there are going to be many campuses besides this great plant here, this headquarters, the word of the Lord, there are going to be many campuses. And from this church, men and women, young men and young women, are going to be sent out. And they're going to be harvesters. And they're going to be gatherers. And they're going to be uh, successful in gleaning and bringing in the she's bringing in the harvest, and this church is going to multiply and grow numerically and grow in spirit, grow in grace, grow in the knowledge of God, grow in numbers, grow in ministry, because the heart of your pastors has always been to impart 
and to pass the baton and to see others activated in their giftings and in their callings. And that's really what our job is as apostles and pastors. We are to teach you, nurture you, train you, develop you, and help you to do the work of the ministry. The ministry will never happen on in the on the pulpits and platforms. The world will never be reached if we depend upon uh, the professional clergyman. It's got to be every man, every woman, every boy and girl discovering their place in the body of Christ and then activated in the gifts of God. Come on now. And anybody can pray for the sick. The Bible said, These signs shall follow them that believe. How many believers are here? Watch out, devil. There's 800 believers here right now. And they can lay hands on the sick. They can cast out devils. They can speak in new tongues. And the job is not finished until every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group in all the world. Here's the gospel. I don't say the whole world be saved, but God wants the whole world to be evangelized, the whole world given a witness, the whole world. And a lot of people have got rapture fever. And I know heaven is real. My dad and mother are there. I have six siblings in heaven. I have a lot of relatives in heaven. I believe in heaven. But you know what? I, I know that Jesus is not going to come for a half-finished job. The church is going to be completed. The church is going to be perfected. The church is going to be ignited. The church is going to be full of the power of the Lord. And out of these doors and out of all the doors of churches are going to go 21st century world changers. Somebody shout hallelujah. World changers. And... Uh, I'm prophesying to you now that everything with God, everything about God gets better. Sweeter as the years go by, better, bigger, greater. God is not static. The path of the just shine brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Uh, with Daniel... It was ten times better. With Job, it was twice as much. At the wedding of Cana, the best wine was served for the last. Everything about the temple was more glorious. The latter house is greater than the former. When you hook up with Jesus, you don't get static. You don't get monotonous. You are not bored. Life is not just one tragic endurance. <laughs> it gets better and better. And the more you go, and the more you grow, it gets sweeter as the years go by. Hallelujah. How many can say amen to that? Well, we're celebrating this month our 50... Well, I have to be honest with you. We're literally celebrating, my wife and I. Come here. This is my first wife. And we're celebrating 108 years of marriage. She's been married to me 54 years. And I've been married to her 54 years. Now, you say, well, that's, that's not 108 years. Yes, it is. 54 and 54. I went to take my car in. And the sign said, for my car to be repaired, it said 138 years experience in, in, in automobile repair. And I said, wait a minute. There were no automobiles 138 years ago. And I asked the man, how can you lie like that? He said, in the aggregate. Oh, so I'm aggregate. <laughs> and uh, in these 54 years of marriage, I've never one time, not just one time ever, had an argument with her. Some intense disagreements, but never an argument. <laughs> and... Uh, Greet the people, honey. I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. But whatever you do, reach out to those around you that have no one and bring them into your home or if you're going out to eat or whatever so that they can enjoy the fellowship of you and your family. May the Lord bless you and keep you and have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, honey. 
I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, the ninth, the, uh, the ninth chapter and verse 31. And this, this, this is, this is something that you need to listen to. I'll try not to be long. But I, I titled this message, The Church Enjoyed Peace. Because Acts, the ninth chapter, verse 31, it's plain. It said, then when the churches had peace and were edified, built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort and power of the Holy Ghost, they began to grow and multiply. Everybody say multiplied. Multiply. In Portland, Oregon, a pastor walked up to me and he said, I'm only going to say this now to encourage you what God has in store for Church on the Rock here. Kevin Connors, who Linnell and John know, one of the, he wrote 150 books. He's one of the great, great, great teachers all over the world. He asked us to come, my wife and I, to Australia. The church was so small, he said, we'll pay your way. You'll have to pay your wife's way. We got there and there were 200 in a school building. And it was uh, small in comparison with the Holy Spirit's anointing that came into that conference and I began to prophesy. And for 10 days, I prophesied, prophesied, prophesied. For 10 days in that, in, in that uh, situation. And you know what happened? The Lord said they're going to have a church of a thousand. They're going to have several million dollars worth of property paid for. And that they'd move out of the school building, which was a rinky-dinky building, very, very, very old. And that God was going to give them a harvest. Well, he came to Portland and he said, I want to tell you from 200 where we are now. And I, oh, I, I, if I didn't know Kevin, I thought he was stretching it. We now have 9,723 members in our church. Come on. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, that was only about 12 or f so years ago. I mean, a church that said peace will grow. And when you have peace, corporate peace, no fighting. No pecking order. No, <laughs> no clicks. No prejudice. <laughs> Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, short, tall, fat, ugly, good looking, rich, poor. A church with corporate peace is a church that will grow and grow and grow. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. A people in peace with God will have peace with each other. Will have peace in their marriage. Will have peace in their family. A people at peace will be a testimony. Will be something so uh, uh, infectious that people will want to come and see why and what makes you tick? What is the secret of your life? You don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be some great preacher or great apostle. Just living the life on a daily basis. Oh, listen. When peace is flooding your heart. When the peace with God is understood. You'll have peace with yourself. And then you'll have peace. With your mate, you'll have peace with your parents. You'll have peace with your children. Oh, so much can be, be settled by the peace of God. The peace of God. My wife, when Linnell was uh, just a few months from being born, she went and got an examination. She had tumors 
on either breast the size of a silver dollar. And, and we knew a Pentecostal doctor, spirit-filled, and she examined and said, I think you better get operated on uh, because before, before the pregnancy is, comes to full birth, uh, you should do it. So she scheduled an appointment at the hospital. They reserved the room. And my wife said, honey, you didn't offer to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. I don't want the operation. Well, I said, honey, I'm just listening to the doctor and I'll, I'll be glad to pray for you. And we just didn't think about it. You know, cancer or tumors or big names like that scare people. And so I prayed for her. And she said, cancel the appointment at the hospital. I said, are you sure? She said, yes, cancel it. I said, I want to go back then and get some more x-rays and, and just to be sure. She said, I know everything's okay. Went back and got x-rays. And the doctor said, I can't understand it. There are no growth. There are no tumors. Come on. Hallelujah. See, see. I mean, when you have peace with God, the war is over. The enmity between you and God is over. He kicked God, Adam and Eve out of the garden. And they were disfellowship, and they and, and, and they they could not get back in. But he made a way, and you sang about it over and over through the cross of Jesus, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> you that receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have peace with God. Peace with God. He's not mad, he's not angry. He doesn't want to hurt you, harm you. He doesn't want to take away your fun, your pleasure. He said he was going to give you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. How many have that? How many have that? Well, tell your face you have it. A lot of people come to church and they deposit their emotions with the ushers and they get real somber and sober. I'm, I think church ought to be a place where you have joy and happiness and once in a while you shout and once in a while you laugh. <laughs> I was in a church one time with a bunch of young people. I see this row of young people and it was a big camp meeting and, and it was probably... Oh, a thousand people. And all of us young people, we were shouting and praising God. And some ladies behind us, a little bit older, shook us and said, Listen, you don't have to shout. God's not deaf. And I don't know what possessed me. I just turned around and I said, And he's not nervous either. God doesn't get nervous when you shout. Can you put your hands up and shout? Well, you sound like a bunch of Piscicaluthians. Can you put your hands up and shout? When you have peace with God, the sin question is settled. I want to ask you a question. Who here has been saved only one year or less than a year? Anybody here saved less than a year? Come here, you. Come here. Good looking. Good looking. Well, you've been saved a year or less than a year. Stand right here. Who has been, oh, what the, who has been saved 50 years? Okay, before I call you up, who has been saved 60 years? All right, you get the prize. Come on over here. Come and stand. You know, I beat you, sister. Yeah, she can come in her walker. She's liable to get healed. Okay, I'm going to keep you standing long. Just stand over here. Now, I'm going to stand in the middle. I've been saved 74 years. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the age of four. Began prophesying at the age of five. One year, 50-some years, 74 years. Now, look at me carefully. Look at me. Eyeball to eyeball. Because I'm going to look right through your eyes and don't answer unless you are sure who is more saved 
the one-year-old, the 50-some-year-old, or the 74-year-old? I'm going to tell you something to surprise you. He is as saved as she is, and I am as saved as they are. Salvation was completed on <laughs> the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've been preaching 62 years. That don't make me more saved. I've done a lot of good things, a lot of great, wonderful accomplishment. Don't make me more saved. I have probably more knowledge than some. I may have more opportunities than some. I may have more, more outreach than some. But as far as our salvation is, it was completed. It is finished the day you were born again and brought into the kingdom of God. God bless you. And not only are you saved and have peace with God, but you have something even greater than peace with God, and that's the peace of God. Through trial and tribulation and storms and testings, you've seen things happen that have been hurtful, that would have driven other people to distraction and to discouragement to quit. But you have <laughs> an ability to... Bounce back a resiliency. I put within you the peace of your God that passeth all understanding. And it will keep your heart and mind and keep you strong. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Have yourself a time. She wants to go down. Just hang on to her because i got to finish this sermon. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A lot of times, listen, listen, a lot of times, the devil has said to me, you blew it, God won't answer your prayer. You blew it, God don't love you anymore. God is mad at you. God has rejected you. You're going to go in that pulpit and you're going to... You're going to fizzle. You're going to go there and you're going to spit straw. You will not be able to preach. But he doesn't know that God says, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, in Romans, pick her up now and let her, let her go back to her seat because I want her to hear the rest of this sermon. Uh, I knew that this was going to happen. I just, I would like to do some floor time myself. <laughs> About three months. Hallelujah. Now, Benny Hinn picks him up and then he, and then he prays and they go down again. He picks him up and they go down five times. I'm not going to touch her anymore. God bless you. I just want to tell you something. God has a future for you. God has a plan for your life. You're not going to muddle through life. You're not going to ever do drugs. You're not going to do alcohol. Your body is going to be the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to guard <laughs> what you put in your body. And uh, you're going to be clean. You're going to be full of the Spirit, and you're going to be a soul winner. You're going to be a testimony. You're going to be an on-fire dynamic young man to tell this generation that you have the peace of God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I love young people. You can go back to your seat. You want to go down? <laughs> Look at me, eyeball to eyeball. Therefore, being justified by faith. That is what Romans 5 says. We have peace with God. And, he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says, wherein we have access. Everybody say access. That means open door. Say open door. Open door into this grace. So whatever happens, if I falter, if I fail, if I blow it, he doesn't shut the door. The door is open 24-7. And I walk through that door. 
It says access into this grace where we stand. The next verse, if they had it, would say we have a standing. We stand on the solid rock. The solid rock of God's forgiveness, of God's grace. And God doesn't take back. God does not. He's not an Indian giver. He doesn't take back your salvation because you've lost your temper or you blew it or you got unnerved or because you got fearful or because a uh, little of uh, little she's not little anymore bethany on the on the, on the the freeway and her car stopped and the lights were out and it wouldn't steer she couldn't even move it over and she just got out of the car and cried under the lord and the lord helped that car get started come on hallelujah because you have an open door when you are tested, tempted, tried, going through tribulation, going through setbacks and failures. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel and say, I guess God's not interested anymore. No. Knock. And the door will be open. Pray and keep asking. And you'll receive. Seek. And keep on seeking. And you will find you're standing with God. Say this with me. My standing with God. I don't hear you. My standing with God. Hey, preach with me or I'm going home. My standing with God never fluctuates. Isn't that something? Never fluctuates. Well, then how come sometimes I feel bad or... I feel even unsaved, or I feel backslidden, or I feel mean, or I feel... Huh. You're standing with God, never change. Your state does. Your state does. If you don't say amen, I'll have to, to tell you. There are times when I get angry. There are times when I get mad. There are times when I get sad. There are times when I get impatient. There are times that I think God is too slow. <laughs> there are times I wish He was Santa Claus. And every day was Christmas. No! I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Your state will change. Tomorrow you may have bad news. Tomorrow something might happen. But your standing with God doesn't change. Get into that door, walk through it, and the grace of God who will keep you and sustain you and make you strong in the middle of a trial and even cause you to grow in the middle of a trial. I have a verse for you. It's the 12th verse. I want to give it to you. Probably... Didn't pay much attention to it, but there in Exodus, verse 12. You want me to give it to you? Okay. Open your Bibles to Exodus, the 12th chapter. Are you ready for a verse that's going to change your life? <laughs> Someone said, what, what chapter? I'm not telling you what chapter. It's, it's my verse. Exodus 1, verse 12. But the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. It doesn't make sense. In the middle of affliction, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of rejection, in the middle of wars, in the middle of problems, of famines, of turmoil, the more they were afflicted, the more they grew and multiplied. Come on now. Now let me tell you, where are you, Satan? Where are you hiding in this building? You don't have a weapon. You don't have a while. You don't have a trick up your sleeve. You cannot, you cannot stop the church. You cannot destroy the church. The church of God, it belongs to God. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church, the living church is going to be here till Jesus comes and we're raptured up and we're going to live forever and ever in the presence of God. Let me hear hallelujah. 
Now they're writing, they're writing books about the church is irrelevant, the church is unnecessary, and people are deserting the church because they're believing the lies of even such experts of Barnum and others that say the church is irrelevant. The church was never needed more. You take the church out of Texarkana, not one of you women. Or men could walk down the streets of Tescarcana safe. It is the church of Jesus Christ that is the salt and the light in this city. Come on, me here, hey man. Yeah. The church is relevant. The church is important. The church is God's masterpiece. And wherever the church is strong, it influences and affects the city, the state. Huh? The economy. Things begin to change. I wish I could tell you testimony after te- Australia is this one from 200 to 9,000 because of influence, because of peace, because the church was edified. The second point of my sermon was they were edified. When a church is built up and it says that we are by the love and the bond of peace. We build each other up. We build one another up. And we become the strong church, the dynamic church. And the devil, listen to me, he knows if you ever discover who you are, he's out of business. He's lost. He has no power over you. Somebody shout hallelujah. No power. Behold, I give you power over all. The power of the devil, Luke ten nineteen. And nothing by any means shall destroy you. The more they were afflicted, the more they grew and multiplied. There's only two things in the Bible that say we'll build you up. One is Acts 20.32. It says, and I commend you to the word, the word of his grace, the word of God, which is able to build you up. I'm so glad that somebody handed me a deal where you're going through the Bible as a church. Church, I know, I know how important the Word of God is. I know how important it is to get the Scriptures, to memorize the Scriptures. When you're tested, when you're tempted, when the devil comes knocking on your door, when trials and tests and tribulations and disasters strike, it's good to have the Word of God. The Word I have hid in my heart that I won't sin, that I won't capitulate, that I won't give in, that I will not succumb. Somebody say amen. The Word will build you up. There's a scripture that will, 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 will save you, will deter you, will stop you, will redirect you, will correct you, <laughs> will refine you will strengthen and give you healing and health. The Word of God is like medicine. It's like food. you built up. And the second thing that says we'll build you up, only two things that I know in the Bible. There may be more. I couldn't find them. And that is Jude 20. Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How many here has ever prayed in the Holy Ghost? I thank God for a Holy Ghost language. I thank God for a prayer tongue. I thank God that my wife and I have practiced this our 54 years of marriage. But I've practiced it since I'm a little boy. I would say that I have spoken in tongues every day of my life since I received the Holy Ghost at the age of four. And, and I don't understand what I'm saying. We're in Indonesia, 1970, Judson Cornwall. Great, great, great uh, teacher. And I teamed up. And we're going there to a minister's conference. I'd lived in the barrios. I'd lived where they didn't have toilets, where they didn't have running water. I've been in Africa. I've been in the Philippines. I've been in Indonesia. I've been in Asia where you took a cup of water for a bath and you poured it on you and that's the way you bathe. I never did discover how to manipulate the toilets in, in some of those villages. They had a hole in the ground. Didn't know how to do it. But now we're in Maduan, Indonesia. And someone said, you know there's a Baptist missionary has a home and have a room for rent. And they have hot water, showers, clean bed. Oh, <laughs> we went. 
And we introduced ourselves. We're here for the big conference where hundreds of pastors from all denominations were gathered. And they looked at us kind of like, I don't know if we want to rent to these holy rollers. But they rented us a room, got a hot bath. They were not friendly. They were not friendly. It was like we were just boarders and rumors and we wanted to make talk, small talk. But we're, we're, we, we, we were, you know, fungus among us. And one day, as we were getting ready for the service, my wife and I always do this. We kneel down and pray. And the door to our bedroom was cracked. Judson and Eleanor Cornwall were waiting for us to get done with our daily habit of praying in tongue. And uh, they, they, they were sitting there by uh, near the door, and they said that the missionaries, Baptist missionaries, opened the door and were listening and then said to Judson, do you think that they would mind if we opened the door all the way? And he said, no. Well, what are they doing in there? And, oh, Judson said, they're praying in the Holy Ghost. They're building themselves up. He has to preach. He has to minister to thousands of people. And he builds himself up praying in the Holy Ghost. They said, but when they came here, they said they didn't know one word of Indonesian. He said, they don't. Well, they're speaking in perfect Indonesian language. Here's a way that God convinced those people that we're not a bunch of nuts and crackpots. You know, a bunch of holy rollers and emotional imbeciles. The Holy Ghost language that God gives you may not make sense to you, but he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. For he is the one that understands what you say. Hachakapata. <laughs> Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Praying. In the Holy Ghost. I used to go to the gym with my brother Danny. He changed his name to Danny Amoroso. And he became a Golden Gloves boxer. And he had about ten knockouts. Well, eleven. When my dad found out, my dad hit him. That was the eleventh knockout. He pulled him out of He was sneaking around doing this Golden Gate thing. And I would go to the gym. And I'm, I'm two years younger and he was only about 16 then. And I said, what are we doing? And he's jumping the rope. And jumping and jumping. And then in front of the mirror. What are you doing? He said, I'm building myself up for the fight. Then we had to run. And we ran. Ah! I said, what? Build myself up. That's what happens when you build yourself up praying. Praying. Not only praying in English. Not only praying in your language. But praying in the Holy Ghost. And I do it every single day of my life. I find myself doing it sometimes unconsciously as I go for my walks. And people turn around and say, what did you say? Oh, excuse me, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my father. Guy's crazy. Talking to his father. He... Is the one that understands. Now, I, I have to tell you this. Somebody's got to get a hold of this now. A man from Sweden had been praying to God. And he heard that God was in Harlem. Father Divine, long before many of you were born, there was a man called Father Divine. He claimed to be God. And he set up paradise. He set up heaven in Harlem. People got food. Thousands of people ate. And they were blessed by earthly gifts, and they would pray to this man. The Swedish man had got on an ocean liner, came to America, found out where Harlem was, and found out where Father Divine, who claims to be God, and there he went, and in Swedish, he began to tell him. And he was trying to say, I have prayed to you. And, uh, I, you know, he was praying to God in Sweden. He didn't know it was Father Divine. He just knew it was God somewhere. And he said, I, I've wanted to come and tell you how much I love you. And he was saying all that in Swedish. And Father Divine, eyewitness told me this, said, Please speak English. I don't understand Swedish. And the Swede said, Then you are not God, because I've been praying for years. <laughs> come on, Hallelujah. You speak in tongues, build yourself up, pray in the Holy Ghost, charge your batteries, get energized, get anointed, get inspired, and then you can go out and cast out devils and heal the sick. Catherine Coleman said she prays an hour every day. I heard, I heard her say this one hour before every 
service before she goes to the platform. Oral Roberts said the same thing. And, and all the great men and women of God who had supernatural ministry pray in the Spirit. And when you don't know what to pray, is this the right job? Is this the right home? Is this the right place? Is this what I ought to do? How you can pray in the Holy Ghost for no man always has the right words in English. But as you pray in the Spirit, you begin to get direction and you get guidance and God begins to show you which house to buy or what college to go to or who to marry or who not to marry. The Holy Spirit helps your infirmity, your weakness, your inability. How many hear what I'm saying? So it's built up. And then not only was the church edified, but they were walking in the fear of God. Young people, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Dads and moms, listen to me. The fear of God is not that you're afraid that, that God's going to do something awful because you blew it. But you, you say, I fear to discourage, to, 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 to grieve him. I, I, I fear to insult him. I fear to throw his love back at him and his grace back at him. It's my life. I can do what I want. But I fear the Lord. I am a free moral agent. I can make decisions, but I fear the Lord. And every transaction that my wife and I have made in real estate, we've always prayed, always asked God. And when the real estate broker said, you better sign right now. If you don't, you'll lose this sale. I would say, we want to pray about it. We want to get the mind of God, get the will of God. I fear the Lord. You make your own messes. You create your own problems. It's not the devil, always. It's just that you just don't take God into your counsel. He knows what's best for you. So walk in the fear of the Lord. And then the last thing, in the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. I have a pastor in Hawaii. Their names is, is Richard and, Viv, and Vicki Knox. She got cancer of the breast. It went into her thyroids. She's had chemo, chemo. She's had the most horrible operations. Just a, looks like she's going to die. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to look sad, but I, I was looking at her and I said, Vicki, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she said, Apostle C, you can't scare me with heaven. And then I understood. Not only did she have peace with God, but she had the peace of God. I want to tell you, we were just there in Hawaii. She's perfectly healed, cancer-free. Come on, everybody. The peace of God that passeth understanding will keep your heart in mind. And then it says, the church grew and multiplied. Your business will grow. Your marriage will grow. Your, your, your ministry will grow. Your relationship with these four dynamics will grow. Grow. No matter what you're going through. No matter how difficult it is. No matter what lies the devil has been telling you. I'm announcing to you in the name of Jesus. You're going to get through this. You're going to go through it. And you're going to go through it with peace. Like a river. You're going to go through it with the peace of God. Which will pass your human understanding and comprehension. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your word. That's a light and a lamp. I thank you for your word that is truth. I thank you for your word that's alive. Powerful and dynamic. Sharper than any two-edged sword. This recession has caused 18 to 20 million people to lose their jobs. This recession has called multiplied millions to lose their homes. This recession has caused people to lose their pensions. They, they lost their stocks. They lost their money. They lost their TSAs. And God, in this church, we have not been exempt 
from hardships and difficulties. But the difference is, we have your promise that the peace of God will keep us. The peace of God will sustain us. The peace of God will bring us through it. And we will have the victory of God and a testimony that Jesus Christ is real and alive. And the dynamic of peace will flood our heart and soul and we will survive. We'll get another job. We'll get another house. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get healed. We'll go through this. We may have to have an operation. We may be tested. We may have some pain. But we'll have in the middle of this peace that God is in control. God is in charge. God is in our life. And He is not going to leave us alone. Oh, Hakashipura. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for a miracle now. A miracle this Thanksgiving season. A miracle in everybody's life. No one will be hungry. No one will be destitute. Doors will open. New jobs will come. Housing startups will begin again. Construction will begin all over Texarkana. There's going to be a resurgence. There's going to be a renaissance spiritually. There's going to be an awakening in Texarkana. An awakening, not just a revival, not just a move, but an awakening, an awakening. Thus saith the Lord, you don't want to settle for just an emotional experience. I'm going to do something. I'm going to wake up my people and they're going to rise and shine as a light and they are going to rise above the storms. They're going to rise above the problems and they're going to be the salt and light and they're going to make a difference. Yes, they're going to make a difference. You are my masterpiece and you have the power over the power of the devil. And nothing is going to change that in your life. You stir up the gift. You activate the gift of God in your life. Now, I want you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to say, God, forgive me if I let worry and dread and fear take away my peace. Because the peace you give, you said, is not like the world gives, and the world can't take it away. And the world can't have my peace. The world can't have my peace. The devil can't steal my peace. And I'm not going to give it away, and I'm going to let the devil take it. I'm going to hang on to my peace. No matter what the stock market is, no matter what the headlines are, I'm going to hang on to my peace. And I'm going to say that to those that, that are in the service here. Those that, that, are, that are defending our country, wherever you go, the peace of God, the peace of God, the passive understanding is in you. Is in you. You're going to be an example to your family of how you can go through tests, trials, and tribulations and get through it and still love God and still have faith and hope and joy like a river. How many here will say, Apostle C, Pastor John and Anel, would you pray for me? I, I, I my, my, my peace <laughs> is not like it ought to be. I want the peace of God to just flood my heart and soul. I just want a baptism of peace. A peace I feel. A peace I know. A peace that is absolutely manifest in my life. Put your hands up all over. I see your hands. God bless you. Put them up high. Put them up high. Now raise everybody raise both hands and say this. Lord Jesus, you said you are our peace. And I know I'm saved. I know you're in my life. So peace is in my life. Peace is in my heart. And now I claim it. I testify to it now. Forgive me, Lord, for ever doubting. I know your grace is sufficient. I know your power is in me. I know that I will survive. I will get through this by your grace, by your power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to hear a thank you now. 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank everybody stand. Just keep your heads bowed for another second or two. Say to me and to God. This is going to be the best year 2011 we ever had. Greatest year of our lives. It's going to be a happy, merry Christmas, a grand new year. We're going to grow and grow and grow and grow. Hold hands. Pastor John, come and say this prayer for everyone. If you don't know Jesus, just tell him right now. You receive him. Tell him you want him. Invite him into your heart and life. Lord, we ask you to just help all of us live in what the Bible calls the secret place of the Most High God. That place where it observes the storm, but it observes them from a place of security, not a place of fret or fear or worry. Lord, I pray that all of us today would be able to find that place of peace, that we wouldn't just keep on our shoulders the responsibilities of the day, but somehow we would be able to cast our cares on you because we know you care for us. Lord, we just pray that you bring us to that place of life where we walk with you, we hear your voice, we find assurance from the Word of God. We just welcome you today, Holy Spirit. You are our comforter. You are our ever-present help in time of trouble. Just lift your hands to heaven with me now. Lord, we lift our hands like little children, yielding ourselves to you, submitting ourselves to you. Reaching out to our Father in heaven today. Telling you whether we're 20, 30, 40, or 80, that we need you and we want you. So we, to the best of our ability today, yield our life to you. We put our life in your hands. We put our businesses in your hand. We put the source of our provision in your hand. The check that comes in the mail. The check from our employer. The bids, the contracts that come in. We just put all these things in your hand and not ours. We'll still work, we'll still labor, but Lord, we today look to you to be our provider. We put tomorrow in your hands. We put our family in your hands. We put every wayward child in your hands. We put wayward husbands, wayward wives, wayward brothers and sisters in your hands. We put our greatest fear in your hands today. Because we know, Lord, you care for us. So we welcome you, Lord. Welcome. Did you to just say that? Welcome. Welcome. There's an old song that called Sweet Hour of Prayer. Comes to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Thank you, God. Help us to know you like that. Help us to know you like that. Thank God in Jesus' name. You may be seated just a moment. 